Do your kids want more Mystery Kids episodes? Are you sick of the same ones playing every single day? Well, we have the perfect place for you. Head over to become a Patreon today. For $5 a month, you'll get two more bonus episodes, plus episodes that are already in Patreon. Episodes like The Deepest Hole on Earth, The Great Emu War in Australia of 1932, The Bombing of Hawaii's Volcano, The Dancing Plague, The Ohio Grassman, and some animal fact episodes about the pangolin, the ai the axolotl, and the taipan, plus much, much more. This makes a wonderful birthday present for your kids and gives you way more to talk about as a family, which is the whole point of the Mystery Kids podcast. So for $5 a month, you can get two more bonus episodes plus all the past episodes. To become a patron, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash Mystery Kids Pod and sign up today. Thank you so much for your support. On this episode of the Mystery Kids Podcast. 40 years ago, the day after Christmas, something strange happened. There were lights in the sky and an unexplained event that's even bigger than Roswell occurred. Welcome to Mystery Kids Podcast. This episode is sponsored by The Intentional Mom Planner. Make sure to check us out on Instagram, The Intentional Mom Planner, or go to thedodailylife.com to get yours. Use the code mystery, mystery Kids to get 10% off your order. We may never know for sure what happened on December 6th, 1980 in the Rendlesham Forest, which is located between the two U.S. Air Force bases, Woodbridge and Bentwater on England's East Coast. This incident is shrouded in secrecy, but there are some fascinating details that we do know. It was just after midnight on December 26th that an eyewitness and radar screens followed an unidentified object as it vanished into the forest. At first, they believed that it was a downed aircraft of some type, so they sent in soldiers to dispatch and follow this craft that had fallen into the forest. The soldiers entered the forest where they found a luminous, triangular-shaped craft. It was 10 feet across and 8 feet high with three legs. The UFO, which is an unidentified flying object, it doesn't mean it has to be an alien object, it just is anything that's unidentified. The UFO then retracted the legs and easily maneuvered its way through the trees. The soldiers chased it into a field where it abruptly shot upward, shining a brilliant light down on them. At that moment, the witnesses lost consciousness. When they came to, they were back in the forest. Other troops sent to rescue them found a tripod landing marks where the object had apparently rested. After this incident, the deputy deputy base commander, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt, led a larger party into Rendlesham. There, Halt measured the abnormal amount of radiation at the original landing site. Another small group off on a separate trek through the forest spotted a dancing red light inside an eerily pulsating fog. They alerted Halt's group, who suddenly saw the light heading towards them, spewing forth a rainbow waterfall of colors. Meanwhile, the second group now watched a glowing domed object in which they could see the shadows of figures moving moving about in it. 
During the next hour, both groups observed these and other darting lights. They watched this for a full hour. This happened in 1980, and in 1983, the man, the Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt, actually released the voices of what they had been speaking about when this occurred, which is kind of rare for the military to release any type of um, kind of sound or talking that had happened. So it was very interesting to actually hear them speaking and becoming shocked when they saw the light and like hearing their voices starting. I mean, they use the word strange over and over and over again. This is so strange. There's a strange light. There's strange heat and radiant and lights coming from the ground. And you you can hear in their voices, they are completely confused. Many have stated that they did not see a UFO. They actually saw the beam from a lighthouse on Orford Ness, and it was probably mistaken from a, for a USO, UFO. So there are some interesting things that also happened during that time, like car engines that were cutting out. There were burn markings that were found in the forest. But something really interesting is when they were in the forest and they were looking down at these strange cuts in the ground, they actually looked up and about 15 to 20 feet above them, it looked as though the tops of the trees were broken. The, these really tall, tall trees, the tops of them were broken. And they heard strange sounds from a nearby farm of all the farm animals starting to make a noise, loud, loud noises. Come to later find out that there were no animals on that farm. What they believe the sound was, was actually local deer making ruckus. And that was right before they saw this red light that was flashing. And as it was flashing, it started to come towards them. And when they looked through this kind of telescope binocular type thing, they actually could see that there's a dome right in the middle of this red light. And it seemed like there were visible shapes in it. And this is visible for a full hour. Now, interesting enough that one of the strange facts about this case is that this is one of the few documented UFO sightings where witnesses claim to have actually seen a craft land. Um, so Nick Pope, who was the Ministry of Defense employee from 1985 to 2006, he wrote a book entitled Encounter in Rittlesham Forest, the inside story of the world's best documented UFO incident, describes the incident in the following words. This was not some vague lights in the sky sighting. The UFO actually landed. One of the men who was sent to investigate, his name was John Burroughs. He's in his witness statement that was published in 1981. He said, the woods lit up. You could hear the farm animals making a lot of noise. You could see the lights down by the farmer's house on the edge of the on the forest edge. We climbed over the fence and started walking toward the red and blue lights and they just disappeared. This site was more documented and has more sightings than even the Roswell incidents, which the Roswell incidents is actually one of the most well-known UFO sightings like ever. Um, this one actually has more information behind it than any other. So officer Jim Penson's witness account, he talks about seeing the UFO. He said that the craft was covered in hieroglyphic like characters. He said the following, I estimated it to be about three meters tall and about three meters wide at the base. There were no landing gears apparent, but it seemed like she was on fixed legs. I moved a little closer. 
I walked around the craft and finally I walked right up to the craft. I noticed the fabric of the shell was more smooth, opaque, black glass. It's so interesting to hear a UFO actually be described. And like he was able to walk up to it and like really be up close to a UFO, which I mean, I know they've seen UFOs in the distance, but he was actually right next to it. So we've already talked about Lieutenant Colonel, I hope I say that right, um, Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Charles Halt. Um, he was known as being very pragmatic. And so this was actually two nights after the very first reported incident on December 27th, 1980. So he's was pragmatic, which means that he like is very thoughtful and he's very practical about how things are happening. So he set out to disprove, disprove the wild theories and that were going around the Air Force base. So when more lights were spotted, he took his tape recorder and he actually joined the military patrol group. And this is what resulted in the audio tape that's been declassified by the United Kingdom's Ministry of Defense. And it's now a public domain and you can actually go listen to it. I'll have a link in um, in the website where you can go listen to his talking. And so in this recording, he talks about the objects and the lights in the sky, as well as a red orb floating near the ground. He says, it looks like an eye winking at you. Here he comes from the south. He's coming toward us now. Now we're observing what appears to be a beam coming down to the ground. This is unreal. It's one of the most valuable pieces of evidence of the Rendlesham Forest incident that's ever been heard. One of the witnesses, his name was Penson, he said, I left the forest a different man. I was in awe of the technology and yes, a knowing that it was not an aircraft which could be manufactured in 1980 or even now. Both Penniston and Burroughs have since suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. In recent years, Penniston has claimed that the craft telepathically transmitted binary code into his brain. I can imagine it would be very stressful to see something that you cannot explain in this way. So it would be very, very hard, I think, to cope with something of this magnitude. So even though there are three main men that we've talked about, so we've talked about Burroughs, Penison, and C- Colonel Halt, they've been the most vocal in talking about what they've seen. They're not the only eyewitnesses. Sergeant Adrian Bastinza, oh, I probably butchered that last name, sorry, a security police commander who investigated investigated the incident at the time said, when I arrived at the scene, I w- it was going in and out through the trees. And at one stage, it was just hovering. Another one of the witnesses, um, his name was Ed Kabanzang, Kabansag, Kabansag. Oh, goodness, I'm so sorry. And I apologize for all the people that I say their name wrong. Um, they were described seeing a glowing near the beacon of lights. But as we got closer, we found it to be a lit up farmhouse. We got to a vantage point where we could determine that what we were chasing was only a beacon of light off in the distance. So he said that, "Mm, I don't really think we saw, we actually were seeing the light of the farmhouse. 
The Ministry of Defense has claimed the lights came from a nearby Orfordness lighthouse. More on this section later, but they also stated that the event posed no threat to national security and was therefore never investigated as a security measure. So there are some witnesses that said, oh, we just saw a light and it wasn't anything. Very interesting how there's different theories or different people seeing different things. So in 1983, there was a UK, so that means the United Kingdom newspaper. It ran a front page story which stated, UFO lands in Suffolk, and that's official. So the newspaper had apparently said it was official, so there was no other story to say. So as recently as 2015, the then 75-year-old Colonel Halt announced that he had obtained written statements from radar operators at the Air Force Bent Waters and nearby Watersham Airfield that an unknown object was, in fact, tracked at the time of the incident. And Halt claimed that they did not want to come forward until they had retired from their military roles. Hmm, That's interesting. I have a confirmation that Bentwater's radar operators saw the object go across their 60-mile scope in two or three seconds, thousands of miles per hour. He came back across their scope again, stopped near the water tower, and they watched it and observed it go through the forest where we were. So if you were actually to go to this area today, there is a UFO trail. So if you want to go out into the forest, there's a whole little trek you can go on. In 2005, um, it was created and it is a kind of cool little trail with a little sculpture that's placed at the end with the drawings that were made by the eyewitnesses of the UFO. To even keep this matter more interesting, there's actually fresh video of UFO footage from Rendlesham Forest still. So there's a story in 2015 of a dog walker posting a video of strange bright lights moving in the sky above the forest. So I will have to also put that on our website so you guys can take a look at it. There's even more strange things that have happened there. There's futuristic technology that was secretly installed at the Air Force Base. So Daniel Simpson, he was the director of the Rendlesham UFO incident. It was just a fictionalized story that kind of gave some ideas of what happened. He told the newspaper this story. I recently heard a very interesting story of a guy who went up to the Bentwaters Air Base, and because it's privately owned, some of those buildings are rented out to people. A company up there wanted to have their internet sorted out, and this guy dug down. He was a telecom guy. He came back, and he was sheet white. He couldn't believe it. He said he'd just come across these cables two foot down, and they were cables delivering such a powerful internet connection, but they were cables from 1980. They were from 1980, and yet they were so in advance of what we have now. I'm told all the time what we get technologically is much behind what the military actually know. So some of the theories that are going on that kind of contradict this UFO theory is that it was a revenge hoax that was put on um, by the SAS. I'm not really positive what the SAS is, but I guess they had some revenge against the U.S. Air Force. So it was kind of this prank on them. Uh, Another 
one of the theories of what actually happened was an unidentified aerial phenomena, no unknown origin. So it was probably some strange uh, meteor or um, atmosphere distortion that kind of looked like a for, like a fireball. Um, others, which I've talked about before, think it was the lighthouse. So it's called the off Fordness lighthouse. And so he thought that he might have seen the flashing of the light that comes from the lighthouse turning. Um, but there's um, one of the theories says like, no, that's not possible. The lighthouse theory is rubbish. Lighthouses don't fly down into forests, split up into five different lights and zap off into space at Mach 3. They don't move through the trees and get mistaken by up to 20 witnesses from the United States Air Force. So many do not believe that it was the lighthouse. Um, so there, I mean, this can go on and on. There's still stories of a government cover-up and it's basically known as Britain's Roswell. It's I, an iconic story that has so many people that witnessed it. And it's absolutely a fascinating story. So one of the main um, reasons I was interested in doing this story is actually this summer, um, my husband was hunting and he saw strange lights and he actually took a video of these strange lights that he saw. I can't remember if he said for a half an hour or an hour, but you can see these lights in the sky darting around, moving very unnatural. And so it's kind of been an interesting story and interesting thing. We've been thinking about what it could have possibly been if my husband did in fact see a UFO. It's been strange. We've actually, since starting this podcast, we've had some strange things happen, almost like we're trying to get proof for what, what we're figuring out from the Mystery Kids podcast. Um, if you follow us on Instagram, the Mystery Kids podcast, I have in the highlights where I saw a large black cat. I was down at the bottom of Utah. And it's like right on the border of Arizona. And currently there is note of black panthers or black jaguars being in Arizona. And we ended up seeing this very, very large cat and getting video footage of it. It, it was probably just a house cat, but it was very strange because it was only a like week or two after recording the episode. So we've had this strange, these strange happenings that have been happening to us and things we've witnessed lately that have been very interesting. So I would love to know if your family has some stories or things that have happened. Uh, we would love to like maybe do some stories that you guys send to us and do a podcast episode with them. Um, so if you have a story, go ahead and send it to the mystery kids podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Go ahead and grab your free coloring page on our website, mysterykidspodcast.com. There we will have all the resources for this whole crazy um, story, this UFO sighting. Um, and we have coloring pages for each of the episodes, as well as resources and different activities and things for each episode. Thanks for listening and make sure to give us a rating wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe so you can make sure to see each new episode. On the next episode of the Mystery Kids podcast, we'll be talking about a bear that was recruited into the military in World War II. Thanks for listening.